All right, so if you guys have your Bibles, you could uh, turn to the Gospel of Luke. Or we're going to be in chapter 5, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and keep it raised really high. Um, one of our ushers will walk down the aisle and get you a copy of God's Word so that you can follow with us. If you don't own a Bible, you can keep the one that we're handing out. It is uh, our gift to you so that you can grow in an understanding and a knowledge of the Lord. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, my name is Ricardo, um, and uh, I used to be a pastor here. So... <laughs> Yeah, yep, gets weird. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, one, when you get the opportunity to do a sermon for your last sermon, um, well, I don't really think there's like an instruction, like hand guide, like there's nothing that manual that says this is what you do your last sermon. So I had about 50 sermons that I wanted to preach today, uh, multiple ideas, and so I just landed on this. I took the text, the same text that I preached my first sermon in ever uh, years ago, and what was really cool, this last, uh, last service, there were probably like 10 people who, who stomached that sermon uh, and, and a Tuesday night in June in 2006 at Redemption Gilbert with a bunch of college students. Uh, so, so I asked them, did I get any better? Uh, <laughs> so, so that text, and mainly to launch into things. And so this morning when I woke up and I'm looking at everything that I have and I'm going, okay, we are not, we don't have enough time in the day for me to say all these things. So I'm never going to be able to say everything that I want to say. So I got a few points to kind of guide us uh, through this text um, that, that were good for me and will be good for me and will be good for you um, as well. And so uh, those points are, there we go, more is caught than taught. Mm-hmm. All you need is need, and we'll explain this. And then lastly, Jesus is enough. All right? Jesus is enough. So if you're with me, the Gospel of Luke, <clears throat> chapter 5. Verse 1, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out from the land, and he sat down, and he taught, he taught the people from the boat. Okay, so here's the deal. I don't share a whole lot of stories of, of my dad, uh, one, because we, we didn't have the greatest of relationships. However, one of my favorite memories of my dad is him fishing. Like, my dad fishes. Like, like, I know people like to go fishing and people like to fish. Like, my dad literally fishes all the time, okay? Let me give perspective here because you guys don't know what my dad looks like. My dad is a lot taller than me. Um, he's bigger than me. He is born and raised in South Central Los Angeles. He's a Hoover. He was a Hoover Crip. By the way, that's a gangbanger. Uh, and so uh, he, he, I know you guys are like, oh, he was a Crip. Okay, okay. Um, and, and yet, for whatever reason, he, he, he found his joy in fishing. Now, how much he loved fishing is my dad is like afraid, like deathly afraid of needles. I remember being a young kid, being at the dentist with him in the room, and the dentist was like, hey, we're going to have to numb you up, sir. And they brought in the needle, and he saw the needle, got up, boy, let's go, grabbed my arm and left because he did not want the needle near him. However, the tattoo that he has, the tattoo that he has on his very large forearms says, gone fishing, okay? <laughs> fish, 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 fish. So when we were young, he said, I'm going to take you guys fishing, and you're going to catch your, fir- your first fish. We're like, how do you know we're going to catch a fish? He goes, because we're going to a stocked pond, okay? And there was this particular area where they had, like, literally, it was like, you see the fish. 
Like you can look down and there's fish everywhere. And so you put whatever bait on there, you're going to get a fish. He goes, now that you caught this fish, I could take you to the lake that we go to. So the lake that he goes to, that he would always be at. So we get to this lake and I got like my little junior pole. Cause you know, when you're a little boy, you want to do the things your, your, your dad's doing, you know, so whatever that may be. So my dad, again, is fishing. So we're fishing. Nothing is catching. We got the bait that he has. Nothing is catching. For whatever reason, in this tackle box, he had some Velveeta cheese. And I said, I'm going to use that velvet. Oh, no, 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 no fish don't eat velvet or cheese. That's how he talks. And so there's a, there, so I took the velvet cheese and I put it on my hook, put it out there, bite. Reel that mug in. Get another one, put it out there, bite. Put it out there, bite. I caught about five to six fish that day. And my dad couldn't stand, oh, you're just beginner's luck. I'm like, nah, man, it's that cheese. You know what I mean? Like, so... We get home, I tell my mom and so forth. I'm like, man, he really loves fishing. And my mom said this to me. My prayer for your dad is that he becomes a fisherman of men, right? And as an eight-year-old boy, I'm like, yeah, I see, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I had no idea. I had no idea what she was talking about. When I became a Christian and I began to read the Bible, I remember reading this and, and, and I, I had the NIV translation and it later says that what Jesus is doing is he's saying to these fishermen, I'm going to make you fishers of men right? Which had nothing to do with fishing. Had everything to do with how God was going to advance and build his kingdom. And I remember like, oh, that's what my mom was praying for. And my, my dad never got there yet. He never got there yet. He's not there yet. But somehow that is what God did in my life, is I wanted to be a fisher of men. Okay, so here's what happens in this particular scene here. You have Jesus. Um, he has been teaching the different people. Everybody is amazed with Jesus. There's a crowd around him. He's about to teach again. And he sees two boats out there on the lake of Gennesaret. This is in Galilee. Um, and so Jesus says, okay, Simon, whose name is Peter, but he also goes by Simon. And so he gets in the boat with them. And, in, and Jesus is not just saying, hey, I just want to go chill in the boat. Jesus didn't have a mic. He didn't have batteries. Right? He didn't have a sound team in the back. He used the water to be able to speak to the crowds. That's deep and true. So you have this. Jesus is on this boat, and he's with Simon. And then now he goes, you know what? Now that he's done teaching, explaining the gospel, he looks at him, and he says, hey, uh, why don't you press out a little further and then drop your nets? Now, mind you, Peter is a fisherman, and he's been fishing his whole life. He's had Velveeta cheese. He's had mealworms. Right? He knows how to fish. Jesus is a carpenter. He knows how to make things. Peter is not really understanding this is the son of God who created the fish, right? And so Peter says, okay, you want me to push that a little further? You know we were already fishing all night, and we didn't catch anything. This is what we do. All right, but I'll push that a little further, okay? And he throws his net out, you know, and all the fish came in and so forth, all right? This thing is, is um, one, Jesus teaches this. And we see this in the life of Jesus. More things are caught than they are taught. Hear me on this. There's one thing I've learned in ministry is more things are caught than they are taught. I read and have read lots of book about this book. I read and have read lots of book, uh, books about Jesus Christ. There is no way to be like Jesus unless you're around Jesus. There's no better way to be like Jesus unless you begin to mimic and resemble the ways that he's like. And there's no book that can do that. And even this book is just a revelation of what he's like. The most tangible way that we can begin to be like him and be able to mimic him is by looking at how God reveals himself to be through the scriptures and also with the people around us. 
You hear me? So for me, you've heard this before, I had an incredible example of my mother growing up. I'm going to be honest with you. My mom's theology is shot. But her love for Jesus is on point. Because that, can that be possible? Absolutely. She didn't need to read all the books because she knew the man. Right? And she's around him. And the people around that, the more things are caught than taught. You don't have to teach people certain things. I've used this illustration before, and I'll use it again. You're, you will see kids walk like their parents. You will see kids, Molly, walk like their parents. All right? Since you're here. I said, man, Peyton run, like, walks like you know she doesn't. And then we saw a video of Peyton running, and then we saw a video of Molly running. And I said, oh, mm just like the mother, right? So you see, now, there's no, more, there's no point where Molly said, okay, Peyton, this is how you're going to run. And at this point, look a little goofy and then go back to regular, okay? Because that's how we are going to do this, right? No, right? Because more things are caught than taught. Sorry, Molly. Not in the notes, but you was right there. So, so the revelation of Jesus and then being around the people of Jesus Jesus is not teaching him how to fish. He's teaching him about the kingdom. And he's not teaching them just by a lesson. It's by actually by doing. So fast forward. I become a Christian. And the way I became a Christian, and I've shared this before, the way I became a Christian is my mom definitely planted seeds, but I didn't, I didn't follow Jesus as a, as a kid. I got to college, and by the end of college, I'm sitting on the couch. I wasn't looking for God. I didn't have one of those stories where, you know, I was at the end of my life, and I didn't know what to do. Then God showed up and so forth. He does that. He didn't do that in my life. I was sitting on a couch right? I get a phone call from a lady who I'd never met, a lady who she believed that God had told her to tell me something. This lady happened to be in Los Angeles where my mom was living at the time in a prayer group with my mom and said, God told me to say something to your son, but there's one thing. God didn't give me his number. Can I get his number, right? So my mom um, goes and gives this lady my number. I don't know why my mom um, desires and gives my number to people who I don't even know, right? Two weeks ago, my auntie was here. My aunt gave numbers to like four or five people in the congregation, and I was like, why would you do that? Go, they, they, they're part of your church. I'm like, no, no, give them my number. You, you hear what I just said? I quit, right? <laughs> give them Jason's number. <laughs> so, so this lady calls me and begins to speak prophetically in my life, things that nobody knows except for God. By the end of this conversation, she begins to tell me about Jesus Christ and who he is. And what he's like. And I, my eyes opened up and was able to believe the very thing that I've been hearing my whole life. I was able to believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Right? Then she says this. You are going to be, wait for it, a fisher of men. But more things are caught than taught. I wasn't just going to walk out of that house and be like, all right, I'm a, uh, what, a, what, a, what, a man, what a man at? <laughs> I knew that was going to come out wrong. And then I was going to catch it. I was like, nah, just say it. <laughs> Let's give you a lot of that today. So there's, um, so, so I'm like, all right, fast forward. I go, I start teaching out of high school and coaching football out of high school. And it was uh, living, I was living on the West Valley, which for me, I always, put, that was my season of purgatory. Okay. And if you're from the West Valley, you know what I mean. So there's, so I'm there and I'm at the school and I'm praying God. And I remember my prayer was, God, show me somebody who can help me know you more. Like, I didn't know the words like, Lord, bring somebody who was willing to walk alongside me and disciple. I didn't know that word. I didn't know, I didn't know that language yet, right? And so I'm at this particular school, and I'm watching this dude. It was a dude there. His name's Eli. And that is his name, even though he tried to change his name's Eli. And so he is just... 
he's just a different type of dude. I knew he's a little off and yet very charismatic. And I just kind of knew he was a Christian before anybody told me. I used to hear the, te- the kids talk about him in ways they didn't talk about teachers, right? So he taught criminal justice. And I remember being in the library with these kids for detention, these kids that get detention a lot. And they were signing up for classes for next year. And they were like, uh, I think I want to get Mr. Winnick's class. Like I heard it's hard to get an A there, but he just teaches in a way that you just want to learn and you want to show up to class, right? Said no student ever, right? <laughs> And so I'm like, man, so then Halloween came about and different teachers dressed up and he shows up on Halloween with big, huge boots, like those like fishing boots. I don't even know what they're called. They're fishing boots, right? And, he, and he's got a net and he's got the weird hat and he's got a fishing pole. And, and I'm like, you're a fisherman. He goes, I'm a fisher of men. And I was like, are you a Christian? He goes, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> right? And by his, I mean, honestly, by the grace of God, that man was the first person to show me what it was like to walk with Jesus. He didn't give me a book. We didn't meet at a coffee shop, right? He said, wake up tomorrow at 4 a.m., meet me at this place. We'll do this for consecutive days, and we're going to pray, right? And, like, the same things that my mom would do, all of a sudden this man was doing different ways. Because my mom used to wake us up because she had to drive into L.A. to teach. She taught preschool my entire life in Watts. And so she would wake up at 5 a.m. and she would wake us up before she had to go to work. And we would pray. And we didn't, we didn't, we, there was no, Lord, we are gathered here today thinking, right? <laughs> it was like war, my friends, right? My mom would wake us up and she would grab our hands and she would pray. And when she got intense, you would know because she would squeeze your hand. And she didn't just pray in the name of Jesus. It was never just the name of Jesus. It was always the mighty name of Jesus, right? <laughs> Just so you know, right? So you fast forward, and now Eli is teaching me to pray, right? One of the best things I learned with him was he said, what are you doing for spring break? I said, nothing. He goes, we're going to cut some brick, and we're going to paint some houses. It was never about cutting brick, and it was never about painting houses. It was me learning how to love, me learning how to pray, and me learning how to be a man. Because up until this moment in my life, I have never been around a godly man. Jesus is not teaching Simon how to fish. He already knows how to fish, right? God is not even teaching us some of the vocations that we have. You know, by his, all, his, his common grace, you already know that. He's teaching us about his kingdom. And the only way that we're going to grow into that is if we, one, begin to mimic and look like him, and that only happens as we spend time with him, and also that we're around other godly men and other godly women in which we can mimic with them as well. Amen? More things are caught than taught. What, what happens is they actually catch some fish. Verse 4, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. And then they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats. And so they begin to sink. Um, so here's what you have now. Jesus is like, go a little further. Simon's like, do you really know what you're doing? He's like, kind of. And so he throws out the net. They get a lot of, they get so much fish that the nets are breaking. Like this is more fish than they can imagine, right? I happen to think Jesus threw off from Velveeta cheese, but that's just conjecture. And so you have, you have them and they have so much fish that he looks at his boys that's in another boat. And he looks at his boys and is like, y'all, y'all got to come over here. So they get in their boat and then they drive over there as well. And then they get more fish. What happens next is that Peter, it says, he falls to his face before Jesus. 
Verse 8 here. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Like, what's happening here? You would have thought it would have been like, oh, we're going to eat for a minute, right? It's more than just a fish. So here's what I mean by this one. When I say all you need is need, you're having elements of the gospel. And that is this, that when, when Peter begins to see this is not just the carpenter, this is not just Mary's boy, like this is absolutely the Lord of all of creation, the one who created the fish and who created Peter. And there's something about when you get into the presence of the Lord that you begin to understand he is other and I am not. He is holy and I am not. Any part of the gospel that, that, does, that leaves out his holiness and you standing next to his holiness and understand your sinfulness is not gospel. And it's not to make us feel little. It's not to make us feel bad about ourselves. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we don't have worth or any of those things. It's just going, we are not God, right? We are not him. And there is something, like just think at a level outside of God. You know what it's like when you're around somebody who's better than you, right? And if you don't know, you think you're better than you really are. When you're around somebody who's just better than you, you thought you had something going on, and then you see them, you're like, oh, put, the, put, it, put it away, put it away, put it away. Just, you take it, you take it, right? You, when you're around God, Jesus, there is something where you go, I got to fall in my face. And you know what? That's the beginning of us knowing and growing in Jesus. When it comes to God and the gospel, all you need is need. Right? Because what Jesus does next, he doesn't tell Simon, hey, you're right. That's right. You are sinful. Right? It's already been revealed to him. Next thing he says to him is don't be afraid. Because there's something about the gospel that doesn't just show you how sinful you are. At the same time, they show you how loved you are. That, that what we have is, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a phrase that the pastor said that it just stuck with me and will be with me the rest of my life, is that when you understand the gospel, you realize that you, at, on one hand, you are more wicked and flawed than you ever dare believed. And at the same time, you are more loved and accepted than you ever dare hoped. So it brings a level of, of humility, but also a level of confidence. There's a, there, there's a, there's a level where you're, you're broken, but also a level of boldness that you have simultaneously only in the gospel. That now that when you're in the presence of Christ, no matter what quote-unquote boat he has you in, no matter what fish you're fishing for, that when you understand God and you understand that you are a sinner, you understand that you have a need. If you ever get to the point in your life that you no longer have a need, you may no longer have a God, right? And let's just be honest, myself included, there are moments where we don't feel needy anymore. There are moments where we don't feel as sinful. And I'm not trying to say you got to do dumb things to feel that way. It's not, about, it's not about sin. I got to go do these things in order that I may feel like a sinner. No, no. You just got to be around the presence of God and his word in such a way that you go, he is, I'm not. And yet I have a need because when you have that need, Jesus is the one who always meets that need. The way that you become a Christian is acknowledging your need. And the way that you grow as a Christian is acknowledging your need. And that can only be satisfied in the one who's in the boat with you as long as it's Jesus. Amen. Hear me, when it comes to the gospel, all you need is need. When I became a Christian, my understanding of the gospel was so truncated, guys, so truncated. And there's nothing to do with the church I grew up in, has nothing to do with the pastor I had. I just didn't hear the gospel this way. At best, what I heard was God is holy, like he's holy, he's up here, you're not, and what you need to do is figure out a way to try as good as you can to get up there. And, and, and get there. And here's some things you need to stay away from and so forth. At best, and he's so holy, and if you never get there, 
you're going to go to hell. We'll see you next week. We're going to say the same thing. All right? Right? And, and this concept of God's grace, at best, even when I became a Christian, at best was that if this was the cross that represented my time of meeting and knowing Jesus, that, that what Jesus would do because of his blood shed is that he would take all of the things that I did that were against him um, and his ways and his laws, and that he would forgive me of it as I had a relationship with him. I got that, okay. But then I thought, now that you're in the kingdom, it's on you now to get back on your horse and begin to, you know, ride it out with him. And so what that meant was I understood God's grace for the sins and who I was before I knew him, but I did not understand the grace that he had for us after, enduring. That when it came to the gospel, I didn't believe in the gospel the way the Bible teaches it, is that Jesus' blood that is shed forgives us of our, our sins, past, present, and future. That he's not there in, this, in this, this posture of going, waiting us for us to do something again, right? When Peter says to Jesus in the boat, I am simple, Jesus says, I got something for you to do. Like when he says, I'm sinful, he doesn't go, and I want you to stay there. He goes, no, get up. I got something for you to do. That part of God's grace is not only the forgiveness of sin, it's to participate with him in his kingdom wherever he calls us, wherever he calls us. And that is only something we can have, by the way, when with Jesus. It's when with Jesus. Let me, let me get to this, this, this last point, all right, because I said I was going to preach. Oh, my gosh. I'm only at 21 minutes. I got time. But I, I, I want to finish this part. He says this. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Another translation, you will be fishers of men. I don't think this is unique to Peter. It's not unique to the, the sons of Zebedee. Your name don't have to be Zezebedee. That's another thing I'm going to also not miss. Not being able to pronounce half the words in the Bible. Um, this is anybody who begins to respond to Jesus Christ in saving ways. And he says this, he continues, Do not be afraid. From now on you be catching men. And when they, brought, when they brought their boats to the land, they left everything and they followed him. My last point here is Jesus is enough. My last point here is Jesus is enough. Jesus never had a pro presenter. You know why? He's enough. Um, they left everything to follow him. And sometimes what pastors do is they say you have to leave everything to follow Jesus. It's more translated this way. And everything they did, they followed Jesus. And there's one thing you guys have learned here at this church, not just through me, the leaders, and everything we do, we got to follow Jesus. We got to follow Jesus in our academics. We got to follow Jesus in our relationships. We got to follow Jesus in our, and the way we, we steward our resources. We got to follow Jesus. And following Jesus is actually the good life. For the longest before I became a Christian, I always saw Christianity as this killjoy. Like it was something that wasn't going to be fun, and if I wanted to be, when I was done having all my fun, then I'd probably come around to Jesus, uh, because there was nothing going to, there was, you know, that wasn't the good life, and the reality is the kingdom of God and Jesus is the good life. That whenever he takes us out to a point on whatever metaphorical boats that we are, are in, and he shows himself to be Lord, and we are able to respond to his grace and ways in which he saves us, and when we come back to land, we need to look at everything we do, and everything we do, that we follow Jesus. I can tell you this. Um, 
for the seven, eight years that I've been here, I've been blessed to go, I know more things are caught than taught because I can teach a lot, but the things that I've caught from you guys have been dead spot on. We've seen people at this church and in this room who many doctors said, you're not allowed to have kids, and you got like three or four now, all right? I know what you're doing, right? We, 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 I've seen people in this congregation come alongside people in, the, in their worst moments, right? Because they're just showing the love of Jesus and showing that Jesus is enough. I, 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 I've told people this all the time. From the outside, redemption looks like way better than what it is. I said, in in some ways, I'm like, we're like the good-looking guy or the good-looking girl that everybody thinks they want to be with. And I'm like, you get with this, you're going to be like, not nearly as impressive. Um, However, I know there is a secret sauce here that that only has been provided by the Holy Spirit. Seriously, guys, we're not, like, we're just not good. I mean, they're serious. And, like, we don't need to be because, like, legitimately, Jesus is enough. Um, We... Last hour, I couldn't even get to saying these things because I didn't, I didn't want to choke up because uh, I feel like I've been doing that a whole lot and I'm, I'm kind of done. Um, but when it comes to people being fishers of men, the amount of people that are Christians in this room because people in this room have led them to the Lord, right? Um, we've never advertised anything for anybody to come to our church because our people are, quote, unquote, our advertisements. Um, we've never had to put an unlimited amount of resources in something to somehow to get people in these doors because people get people in these doors. And a lot of that happens mainly because we have people not perfect, nobody. I mean, not even close to being perfect. You guys are very average at best, right? <laughs> and, 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 yet, and yet, Jesus has been enough. Um, the, best part about, <laughs> the best part about Jesus is, in terms of him being enough for us, is... Uh, he never runs out. He never leaves. He never transitions. He never steps out. He never goes away. He's always there. The best part about Jesus being enough is, is that we did nothing to earn him, and by the grace of God, we do nothing to lose him. One of the best parts about Jesus is, once you get him, you always have him. Um, the best part about Jesus is, is he actually cares if you're white, black, or whatever you are. Uh, and yet he loves you just like he loves every other black, white, or whatever you are. Um, the sides of the room got it, the middle didn't. Um, when, it comes, when, it comes to, when it comes to Jesus being enough for us is that the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient, right? When it comes to Jesus, the righteousness that he requires, that holiness We don't have to go striving for it. He gives it to us, and he doesn't take it away. That when it comes to Jesus being enough, there's never a moment in which we come to the throne of God, and he says, you have insufficient funds, right? When it it comes to Jesus, that he becomes bread in which we eat, that we're like, we we don't even know where we ate, and we're not even hungry anymore, that we're not even thirsty anymore, that we're always hydrated when it comes to Jesus because he's enough. There's not anything in which we can think about in this world that Jesus doesn't become enough, Right? Like, he's already enough. If there's anything that you add to it, you've actually lost what you actually knew about Jesus. If you take anything away from it, you've lost what you have of Jesus. If you add nothing to it and you sit in his presence, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. He's enough. He's enough. And you could take that with you wherever you go and wherever you are because he will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to close here soon. When it comes to Jesus, he can do what I've wanted to do 
and never been able to do. And that is this. He can love you guys, know your story, know the kids you have, know the kids you wish you had, know the kids that you had and don't have anymore. Know the spouse or the desire that you have for a spouse. That he can know how to rejoice with you in ways that are magical and weep with you in ways that he's so near. That Jesus actually is a savior. Oftentimes people, myself, we have savior complexes and we are crappy saviors because there's one and he's never losing that title and he's the best at it. And when we weep, and we all do, there's a moment that this Jesus tells us that he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. And there's this huge sense of the metaphorical thumbs of God taking all of our tears and all of our pains and wiping them away, that we may dwell with him all the days of our life. Jesus has been enough. He will continue to be enough because he's just enough. And I pray that by God's grace, we would be fishers of men in whatever places and vocations that God has called us to. I've enjoyed. I've loved being your pastor. I can't wait just to be your brother in Jesus and to follow Jesus alongside with you guys. One person said it best, we are all beggars, right? And discipleship is one beggar telling the other beggar where we can find bread. We find that bread in the mighty, the mighty name of Jesus. Let's pray. before I pray, I do have one more request, and that is, uh, since I picked all the songs today, no leaving early. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> God, we thank you um, that you are more than enough. You are our Father, and you loved us so much that you gave us your Son, that in his life and his death and resurrection, that we might become sons and we might become daughters, that we are welcomed in, uh, and Father, that you pursue us. And in Jesus, you've given us your spirit, Lord, that reminds us of who you are and who we are. And we thank you, Lord, for the covenant of grace that you extend to us. Lord, we thank you, and I personally thank you, for you have been good to me, and you've been good to this church, and you will continue to be good to both, and that we're thankful. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.